Hello, friends. Welcome to the Crank and Boom podcast. I am your host, Tao Green. I opened a Thai restaurant with my family 17 years ago that has since morphed into a multi-million dollar ice cream business. I have the honor of leading 40 plus teammates to fulfill our company's mission, create joy, ignite laughter, and inspire compassion. And now I get to share my experiences of building this incredible business with you. On the show, we chat all things small business, family, and life, and how we can do it all with a bit more purpose and in community. I am so glad that you're here. This is the Crank and Boom Podcast. Hey friends, today we're diving deep into a subject that affects so many of us in our fast-paced, demanding world, burn out. It's a topic that can resonate with anyone who's ever felt overwhelmed, exhausted, or stuck in relentless hustle of modern life. The slow creep of more and more stressors over time in our daily lives is accumulating into a major problem. I mean, our brains are just not made for all of these modern challenges. It may be counterintuitive to realize that even the things we love and are passionate about have to be evaluated, but they too can cause us to be overcommitted, overwhelmed, and overstressed. And although you don't necessarily have to quote-unquote quit everything, which sometimes burnout makes us feel like we have to do, we have to make smart choices about where we can cut back. I can totally relate to this. I've had a lot of hard conversations and realizations lately about what is actually realistic for me to handle as an entrepreneur as I help my family thrive and grow my business. It's something that is a constant struggle because I'm someone of many passions and many loves and the desire to do all the things. But to avoid burnout and all the consequences that come with it, I've had to make some hard decisions to downshift my schedule and do fewer things, even though it hurts my heart. And part of that is this podcast. We're actually going to be downshifting to coming to you every other week instead of every week. And that helps my schedule and helps everything else in my life be just a little more balanced. Today, I have the awesome honor of welcoming an incredible expert to help us sort through and deep dive into all the ways burnout affects us and how we as entrepreneurs can prevent stress from getting out of control. Tanya Tarr is a behavioral scientist and integrative coach. She runs her own business, Cultivated Insights, where she delivers learning and development training for a wide variety of global corporations, small to medium-sized businesses and organizations, as well as teaches well-being for helpers. We are all helpers who need help. Tanya is also a columnist and senior contributor to Forbes, where she covers workplace well-being, burnout recovery, negotiation technique, and equal pay. With Forbes, Tanya has interviewed more than 200 CEOs, executives, and women leaders making a positive impact in their industries. Previous to corporate work, Tanya studied burnout in the field with families of deployed soldiers and Texas public school educators. And in her free time, she happens to be a Muay Thai referee. I can't wait for you to hear our incredible conversation together. Let's get into it. So Tanya, welcome to the Crank and Moon podcast. Oh my gosh, Tao, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. I am so thrilled and honored that you're taking the time to come and be with us today and talk about something that I think weighs 
on so many of our minds, even if we don't know what to call it. And I think especially as entrepreneurs and especially as women entrepreneurs, this is something that plagues us. How do you describe burnout? And can you give us a little bit of context on what it is and how it affects us in our life, our personal life, and our workplace life? Sometimes it's easiest to talk about what it's not. Burnout is not exhaustion. Burnout is not boredom. Burnout is not something that happens on a short timeline. It's a set of conditions and a sort of chronic set of conditions that is actually the byproduct of living a life out of balance. That's actually what burnout is. It's what's called an oblique complex problem. And burnout is the result of unmanaged or mismanaged chronic distress. And it can show up in a lot of different ways. For me personally, it showed up as chronic illness, but for others, it can show up in a variety of different ways. Occupational burnout or workplace burnout has been studied for decades, you know, for at least 60 years. I looked to the research of Dr. Christine Maslach on burnout because she actually was studying healthcare workers in the 70s and 80s. And she's credited as coining the term burnout because she was interviewing an ER nurse, I believe. And the ER nurse basically said, I'm just burnt out. I'm exhausted and I don't care anymore. So burnout is different from exhaustion and other forms of just being tired because it's something that has happened usually not just for a couple of years or even five years, but like it occurs over the course of decades. And you're going to feel ineffective at work nothing you do matters, or you can't affect any sort of change, you've lost a sense of purpose, and you actually feel a deep sense of apathy and depression, and sometimes rage. But this is what differentiates it from chronic stress, or things of that nature, you just completely and totally check out. Have you seen a trend with all the different people that you've worked with? I feel like almost anything can be explained through your childhood and how you grew up and your life experiences, because that's what makes us human and that's what develops us into who we are now. Have you seen some trends, especially with women business owners? What I'm finding with business owners and executives and with people that come to me is like, oh, actually, it started in college. Oh, but actually it started when I was a kid. And this is me as a behavioral scientist. This is very interesting to me, right? Because now we are seeing that actually burnout is the result of compounding behaviors that often start in childhood that cause us to be overachievers, that cause us to often be people pleasers because helpers and people in helper professions tend to suffer from it. And as you mentioned too, business owners have an extremely high risk. This is anecdotal, but I say this as someone who was a workaholic. I was addicted to work. I was addicted to helping others. I got extremely sick. I had a collection of symptoms that at the time, so this is 2010 and 2012 was when we were trying to figure all the health stuff out. And people understood chronic fatigue, but they didn't totally understand it, you know? And no one was asking the right questions. I'm half Asian. And as a mixed person, I'm constantly in this swirl of my Asian enough or not, or, you know, all this stuff. It turns out medically, I'm 100% Asian. One study I found said that we run like 70% higher risk of type 2 diabetes than other races because of the way our biology is constructed. We carry more visceral fat, but it doesn't look like other races in terms of obesity. So the doctors were not thinking, oh, let's get her a blood panel. 
they weren't thinking, oh, she might have prediabetes. Prediabetes then explained all of my symptoms. Ah, uh, yeah. And once we figured that piece out, then everything started to change. But uh, but it took about two years for me to recover. In the beginning, when you got that diagnosis and you're at a place where you're a, a workaholic, I have definitely been there, as I know many entrepreneurs are. Where did you go from there? Like you have the diagnosis now. Now what do you do? I have run successfully my business for five years, including during the pandemic. We had some great years because of the pandemic. It was easy for me to pivot to online delivery of workshops. But more so than someone that goes to a job to take a paycheck, we are mm -hmm. driven by our sense of purpose, yeah. right? We are driven by our sense of purpose. We are out there every day figuring out ways to generate revenue because we're solving real problems for people or we are creating experiences or delivering food or delivering vital services to people and behind that must be a clear sense of purpose it's like a pilot light inside of you that's got to keep burning right the issue is you don't ever want that pilot light to burn so brightly that it destroys everything and your ability to keep doing what you're doing right because that's a good thing right is like that pilot light is a good thing. But then if that overtakes everything else, then that's not helpful. It burns the whole thing down. Is that what you're saying? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So finding a sustainable way to keep a slow burn going is really important. And here I, I was, my health is falling apart. I literally told the doctor to, to go to hell when she told me that she thought I was sick because I don't have time for this. That was the mode my head was in. Without the ability to sort of be flexible and be adaptive, you're going to end up just digging yourself into a bigger hole. Every day I wake up and somebody is relying on me for a paycheck. Somebody's relying on me for a product. Somebody's relying on me for a service. So I need to reduce or remove every risk factor I possibly can so I can keep showing up to that purpose. That is a mindset that I think is useful for people. Yeah, I like that so much better than the usual talk about self-care. Going away for a weekend is not going to solve that. Burning some candles and going to the spa for a day is not going to fix it. So I love how you're framing this as like we have to shift our mindset because we work so hard because we love the work. Most of us do. And we do it because a lot of us are high achievers and want to do a lot. But mostly it's because we have some sense of we don't want to let people down. And we want to be there for people. And it's not people pleasing. I like to think of it as group care over self-care. We all create ecosystems around us. Healing and recovery is not an individual sport. Healing is a group sport. It's a team effort. The thing for business owners to pay attention to is what is my purpose? How do I consistently remove all risk factors that threaten my purpose, including taking care of myself? Because I recognize that I am a part of a greater ecosystem right? And then the third part is, how do I manage my energy? How do I manage my energy so that I can keep at that sustainable burn rate so that I can keep showing up to my purpose? I can keep supporting this ecosystem I have created. To me, there's like responsibility, a responsibility to keep showing up for the people that rely on me versus, I think a lot of people don't like the term self-care because it seems self-indulgent. Yeah. But the reason why we have a burnout epidemic in our country is because people keep trying to blame the individual or the organization without realizing we live in an interconnected world that's so much more interconnected than it's ever been ever before. So you're not going to solve it when you just try to solve it on the individual level. 
the other sort of widening the lens a little bit from what I've both seen in the academic literature, as well as, again, my own field research, I was working with families of deployed soldiers. And I saw the same dynamic working in the union world, which is, you know, when people feel a sense of belonging, when they feel they have a team and they have people they can connect with, that it creates emotional buffering that not only helps us mentally, not only helps us emotionally, but in some cases might actually help our immune system. And there's something called the Rosetto effect. It's a longitudinal study that was done of a city in Eastern Pennsylvania. And most of the people worked very hard blue collar jobs. Most of that community is very tight knit from a specific part of Italy. They had the worst eating habits. They all smoked. I mean, this is like the forties and fifties and sixties. They had no instance of heart disease all the lifestyle factors that would completely promote heart disease. And they didn't have any heart disease. All these researchers tried to figure it out. What was going on here? Was it like their genetics? Was it the food? It was not the food. And like every immigrant community, everyone's sacrificing so the next generation can do better. And the next generation can become lawyers and doctors and engineers. And as the second generation got better jobs and more education and moved out and that community became less tight knit, the instance of heart disease went up, that a sense of belonging changes everything. It makes us emotionally more robust. And I think also physically and mentally more robust. But one takeaway is, and then I have a question for you, Tao, um, is, you know, do I have a sense of belonging? Who's my team? Who's in my corner? And you don't have to have a ton of people. It can only be even one person that you can create a sense of belonging with can change everything. The most important thing is create emotional buffering to help promote, you know, triage if you're at that level, also to help you just kind of recharge your energy. But my encouragement for all of you listening is find a team that you're a part of that has nothing to do with your work. And also find a team or a network where you feel a sense of belonging. Because those two things taken together, I feel like are going to be more effective for you as a business owner than any of the other sort of self-care interventions. One other thing too, I would suggest is definitely do some experimentation, but find those things that reliably recharge you. So my question for you though, Tao, is what do you do for self-care or group care? Do you have a community that you check in with on a regular basis? I want to backtrack for just a second. And you've said so many good nuggets that I feel like we need about 10 other episodes to unpack all of them, because I'm really fascinated with what you're talking about. Because a lot of times when we talk about burnout, it's like, oh, me, I'm working so hard and my life is so busy and I have all this stress. But then the way you framed it and talking about it as an ecosystem is really interesting to me. It's taken me some time to unlearn what I've been programmed to do. And balance doesn't mean laziness. I definitely have had my own path of trying not to work so hard and actually going to bed at a decent hour. And I would not say that I'm the best at self-care, but I also feel like I've gotten so much better than I used to be. So my my dad had cancer last year and we spent a good six months trying to bring him from the brinks of stage four cancer where he there was a very good chance that he wasn't going to make it, but it was a, a full family effort and he's doing great now. And I felt like by the time he got his bill of health that said like it's gone, I felt relief 
And then, and then I got sick because I think my body was in this like survival mode. It's like, you can't go down because like the family needs you. And then finally, when he was okay, like I was sick for, I don't know, probably a month or two. And then I feel like this last year, I have been a little more withdrawn just from friends and work. And I've kind of let a lot of things go to let our team run things. And I think I just needed that space for myself. I didn't know how to verbalize that. I think I was at that place. I was like, I I have nothing left to give. And so I've spent the last year traveling and not worrying about small things. And that has helped me a lot. And then now I feel like I'm at a good place where I'm like, my mind is more clear. I don't feel as withdrawn, but it's something that just kind of like switched in my head was, you know, we had been doing all this traveling and I finally got to a place like, I'm really happy to be home. Just feeling like I can show up in the world again. When your basic needs are not met, you don't have space to go vote. You don't have space to do extracurriculars. You don't have space to go sit on a board. Like you just don't, you don't have that. I love everything that you've said because it's like it clicked. It's like, oh, that makes so much sense. Hey friends, Tao here, popping in to share my excitement about one of my favorite companies in the whole world, Holly Hill & Co. If you are like me and are obsessed with food, especially local food, you will appreciate those special ties that happen around the table. Holly Hill & Co. believes, like I do, that food creates connection and community unlike anything else. That's why they take care to strengthen the ties across the generations between family, the farmer, and the land, all the way to the food that ends up on your table. You can experience exactly what this means at one of Holly Hill's nine unique Central Kentucky restaurants and through their beautiful emails. If you're in Kentucky, be sure to find the nearest location and get ready for an amazing experience with the most fantastic food. Holly Hill's co-founder is none other than my dear friend, James Beard-nominated chef Weta Michael, who's been a force on the Kentucky food scene for over 20 years. Learn more about their incredible food community by visiting hollyhillandco.com, where you'll find stories, recipes, how-tos, and even curated gifts. Again, that's hollyhillandco.com, and let them know that Tao from Crankin'Boom sent you. When you're in the throes of managing your small business and stress levels are getting high, sometimes you just got to reach for that comfort bagel or comfort pizza. One of my favorite ways to do this is through Gold Belly. They have the best comfort foods from any region of the country and can deliver it right to your door. Whether you need ribs and pulled pork from Memphis or lobster rolls from Maine, Gold Belly curates the best of each region so you can enjoy it without any of the stress. Head to goldbelly.com and treat yourself to amazing comfort food so you can keep powering up your business. That's goldbelly.com. And don't forget to grab a comfort pint of Crank and Boom ice cream while you're there. I always look for a rule of three in behaviors because, you know, once could be an accident, twice could be a coincidence. Three times is a trend line. And I think it's also true, Tara, with what you just said. So you've got your, first of all, you're a mom. So that's a full-time job. And then you've got a parent who is dealing with cancer. So that's a full-time job. And then you're a business owner. So that's a full-time job. So so you got three overlapping circles where you're needed, right? As the helper. And so that, again, that sort of 
for everyone listening, you know, think about those spaces where you are the primary caregiver or you are the CEO or you are the person, you know, that, you know, maybe you're like me and you want to think of it more as an ecosystem rather than a hierarchy, but like the ecosystem relies on you. And once you get to like three, or if you even have like more, like four overlapping circles or whatever, like this is something where you must take your well-being seriously. Well-being is not fluffy. Well-being is not about supplements or God help us green smoothies. Well-being is a management issue. It is successfully managing conditions for yourself and others to thrive. That is what well-being is. And for a long time, I fought this pivoting that I'm going through because I'm previously I was doing, you know, pretty hard knuckled business stuff, just strict like business negotiation. I did a lot of lectures on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And I just fought it for so long because I could see when I was talking to CEOs and department heads and stuff. And and they're like, well, what are you doing these days, Tanya? And I'd say, well, I'm, I'm doing well-being work and I want to teach managers how to be better at, at managing Mm. through a lens of well-being. Yes. And I could just see their faces fall and the light go up (laughs) in their eyes. Like Like you've gone over to the woo-woo fluffy side. (laughs) It's important. Like well-being is a robust thing. And it, but again, it's a management issue. It is a management issue. Well-being for me is different than wellness because even though they're really kind of the same thing, but well-being is a management issue where you're successfully managing conditions to thrive. I help with behaviors and behaviors are different. Again, this was something that some CEOs get and some don't when I'm pitching them on work. When you're trying to train a behavior, it is the art side versus the technical side. It's easy to teach people how to use Excel to do VLOOKUP or whatever the technical thing is, right? Like they're very concrete steps and it's pretty easy and straightforward to learn it. If you're trying to teach behaviors, it is a whole other ball of wax. And if you're trying to teach people how to manage other people's behaviors, it is a completely different thing because behaviors actually are accrued on a timeline of 10 to 12 weeks, right? So all the science is so clear on this. If you're trying to change a simple habit, and I always point to the research of Dr. Phil Bilali in the UK, because she and a bunch of folks that study health behaviors found that it takes anywhere from 28 to 260 days for people to change their behaviors. And it averages out to about 66 days. It actually takes like 10 to 12 weeks of constant attempts. And so this is, again, something for business owners to understand, not only for themselves, but also when you're managing other people, if you really want to invest in people. And by the way, given our current you know, labor supply, it makes financial sense to do this, that you're trying to train people on something you need to think of and your managers need to think of it in terms of 10 to 12 weeks where you're just helping someone make an attempt at a behavior and hopefully they have some natural affinity for it. But changing behaviors takes a long time. I believe, and I'm encouraged because I feel like people in the wellness and well-being space are getting better at helping people understand that the point here is longevity. And the point here is your health, and it may or may not look aesthetic. The aesthetics are way less important than doing habits that reliably help you feel a sense of relief, a sense of belonging, that help you reliably close the the distress loop, not just the stress loop, but the distress loop, that help you do things that encourage 
strong and robust sleep patterns that encourage you to eat good food. And two, I want to spend just a couple seconds on this reliable activity. So again, for business owners, we all have limited time, limited time. We don't have time to go and train for five hours at the gym. And what I, I call them triage pockets, right? And by the way, you shouldn't have to wait until the point where you're in so much an exhaustion that you have to triage. How it sounds like you caught something really early on. So I just want to take a second and, and recognize that and applaud you for that. You were probably at a high risk and you were probably in chronic exhaustion, but you weren't so far gone. Here's the other characteristic of burnout that people don't talk about enough. When you truly become burnt out on something, you will not be able to go back to it. It will change you. Well, that's reassuring that you said that because... I, for a while, felt a little disengaged on the work front. But then now, when I talk about the things that I'm tackling and getting back into those weeds, like I'm excited, like I'm jazzed, I'm ready to go. And that I, and that sounds like it's different than when you are at a place that you, there's no return, like I can't touch that anymore. So that's encouraging to me that what might feel like burnout as a generalized term might just be, you know, what, I don't know what you would call it. You were in an exhaustion phase, but it, it hadn't kicked all the way over to burnout. The other thing about burnout too, that I should have mentioned earlier was there's just something called anhedonia, which is the avoidance of things that bring you pleasure or happiness. And it also is a characteristic when they're trying to screen you for depression. You can feel a short-term sense of depression and that tends to show up when you are burnt out avoiding things that help you feel happy or give you pleasure is a clear red flag that you're probably headed in to burnout. And again, don't wait until you're burnt out. You know, like don't wait until it kicks over that far. If you are exhausted and you wake up and you don't feel rested, or if you haven't given yourself a day off in longer than two weeks, as a business owner, you have an obligation to pay attention to that. If you burn out, your business is dead and you're managing an ecosystem. So triage pockets, though, I want to kind of talk about that for a second, thinking of longevity, right? Like triage pockets are these ways of creating little micro bursts of, of rest and recovery. So how do we create these triage pockets for ourselves? And it can be something as small as five to 10 minutes. So even if it is that you decide as a business owner, I don't have time to work out, but I do have time to walk around my block with my dog. And you, you decide you're going to do that every day. That is a form of creating a triage pocket. When you're dealing with a chronic issue, a pill or a shot or a trip is not going to save you because the dysfunction has occurred over probably decades. And so the half-life, so to speak, on this is going to take at least half that amount of time, right? And, and you change it by making these very small, consistent, this is the biggest part, consistent changes. And you want to, because we can all find five to 10 minutes. We can all find maybe even 15 minutes a day. High intensity interval training or gets body weight exercises. There are tons of instructional videos on YouTube and Instagram. Like 15 minutes of of hit body weight exercises is going to like make you feel like you ran three miles and actually is metabolically the same. So you'll burn the same amount. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very, very efficient. Even if that is too much, like just buying a yoga mat, which you can get at like TJ Maxx for 10 bucks, 
and deciding, putting it on your calendar. And then the other thing, do not say if you're starting a new thing, if you're trying to create a little micro triage pocket, don't say, I'm going to do this every day. The better way is for the next month, I'm going to try to lay on this mat for five minutes before I start work twice. If you do it three times, that's great. If you do it four times, that's great. Twice is actually, that's the metric. And you do that for as long as you need to, where you are consistent in it. Okay. Just twice a week. And then once you've hit twice a week for three weeks, then you can maybe think about adding a third one. Right. But again, we're trying to get you to the 10 week mark. Once you have three months of doing this simple thing with almost no exception, then you can move from what is called a learning cycle to a performance cycle. In the learning cycle, all that matters is that you try. Every attempt matters. The performance doesn't matter, but you want to set the performance goal so low, there's no friction. It is so easy for you to hit it. A lot of people tend to go straight to performance mode instead of learning mode, and then they get discouraged because they can't hit those goals. And then they're like, well, why bother? But again, the, the, the perspective has to be longevity. I'm doing this because I know it lowers my heart rate to the point where I'm more healthy and I'm more focused when I go in. That means I'm going to be a better CEO. I'm going to be able to negotiate better with my vendors and my suppliers. I'm going to be able to model better behavior for my employees. I'm going to be more more present caretaker to my family, whether it's my children or elderly grandparents or whatever your family configuration is. And two more things too. I know we're almost done here, but I want to make sure we get this in. The first is that there's a difference between eustress and distress. You cannot avoid stress and not all stress is the same. Distress is when you're being chased by a bear and you fear for your life, right? Like, or, or you're in a situation that feels helpless. Like that is distress, right? That's the bad stress. But there's this other type of stress called eustress because whether it's distress or eustress, it registers the same on the body. It's usually a jolt of adrenaline and a bunch of other neurotransmitters going on. And you might go into survival mode, but how you train that reaction is important. Eustress is the type of stress we feel when we're going to perform karaoke or we're going to run in a race or we're going to, you know, we're going to do things where we're being competitive or being public, but we like it. There's a high to that, right? It's a very powerful thing. So you stress, like you can't avoid stress. It's how do you choose to receive those experiences? What mindset do you apply to those experiences to make it feel more like you stress rather than distress? Because you stress can actually charge us back up. It's important because it's another way of charging up that battery inside of you so that you can continue to show up every day running your business in a way that is sustained and sustainable. I love everything that you have talked about in a sense of building ecosystems around yourself and that fixing burnout is not lighting some candles and getting a massage. It's about reframing how you think about your life and then making sure that you ask for help. And then also the the major physical aspects that can really turn things around. And I think maybe that's not talked about as much. I mean, I think we're all preached to eat better and move more, but I think being able to hear the very scientific connections between these feelings and then also the physical aspect. 
And then that it takes a long time. Like we're not going to turn this around in a day. It's going to take 10 weeks at least of experimentation. Yes. And that we commit to understanding that longevity is a blessing and it's something we can work towards. That's the goal. How do we create group care and sustainable ecosystems of love and care where we all get to live long and do cool things? We deserve it. And I think that's actually a perfect way to tie everything up. So if you could give us, so I always like to do just, you know, one to three takeaways that are short and sweet so that if, you know, someone tuned out and they're just coming back, like what is the very most important two or three things that you feel like our listeners should take away from this amazing talk that we've had? Business owners, you have an obligation to yourself and anyone else in your ecosystem that you've created to not only take care of yourself, to make sure that that ecosystem survives and is sustainable, but what you do matters. So if your employees and your family see you taking care of yourself and taking time to take care of yourself, that is going to encourage them to do the same. The other thing is don't let your pilot light go out. It's important that you manage just like everything else. You manage your own pilot light in a way that keeps you going on the long term. And the other thing is you always have five minutes to take a walk. You always have 10 minutes to write down three things that you're grateful for. You need to make sure you're creating these pockets of renewal for yourself. Your behavior has such a profound impact on the people that are around you. It just, again, goes back to that ecosystem and acts of group care. Amazing. So you mentioned that you have an Instagram. Where can listeners find you on social and elsewhere? I'm at my, just my name, at Tanya Tarr, T-A-N-Y-A-T-A-R-R, at Tanya Tarr on Instagram. I try to post a couple of reels every week that are related to integrative health. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. Would love to connect with people on LinkedIn. My business website is cultivatedinsights.com. Next year, I'm going to start some group classes. And one of the group classes is directed at helping the helpers. So it's a monthly Zoom class and there's some asynchronous learning, you know, so self-learning that you do videos and stuff like that. But there's a digital community that'll be a part of that. But we're going to do probably a live Zoom call every two weeks And the intention behind that is to create an ecosystem of group care for people who are helpers and teaching people about the simple science of behavior and and science of habit formation, really. We're also going to be returning to our roots. Cultivated Insights is returning to the roots of teaching online negotiation. So I actually believe negotiation is very much connected to burnout because I'm fond of saying that burnout is the negotiation that you lost with yourself. So basically, if you teach people negotiation tactics of any type. And we're going to do it. I think it's, we're going to do three classes. One is going to be on contract negotiation, but we want to help people learn collaborative negotiation and helping people understand how to generate new opportunities with your clients or with your vendors or suppliers. And so that will also be in 2024. All of this stuff will be on cultivatedinsights.com or on my Instagram. Thank you so much for being on the show and teaching us all the science and all the anecdotal experiments and um, sharing your story. And it's you're just a cool, fun, interesting person. So thank you for sharing. And I'm glad and I'm glad we're friends now and that, um, you know, I'm going to check out all this cool stuff that you've got coming down the pipeline because I think me 
And probably every entrepreneur can learn from this and do better. And then we can serve our ecosystems better. Small businesses make up a lion's share of our economy. So we we have an obligation to keep to stay healthy because we employ so many people, but also like we are all doing cool things that the world needs. So I'm again, just very grateful to be here. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much for listening to the Crank and Boom podcast. If you want business advice and tactics like this every week, click that follow button wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode with us. Also, if you like what you heard today, it would mean oh so very much to me if you would leave us a review that helps other people find us. Leave a note on what topics you want me to cover more of because we would love to hear from you. I can't wait to meet you here again very soon. Until next time, peace! This is a production of Four Eyes Media.